0: As we continue our study of Spotlight on the Word, looking at the Word of God to better know the God of the Word, we're overviewing the Bible. And we are looking at the book of Leviticus. Leviticus. That's a term that many people are unfamiliar with. The word Leviticus means concerning the Levites. And the Levites were the priestly tribe of the Jews. When you look at the book of Leviticus then, what you're dealing with is something of a worship and service manual to God. How God can be approached properly in worship and in service. In a number of ways, the New Testament counterpart to the Old Testament book of Leviticus has got to be Hebrews because Hebrews reveals to us that Jesus is our great high priest, that He is our all-sufficient sacrifice, and that He is the one who has made redemption, salvation possible. Again, the overriding theme of the Bible the salvation of man to the glory of God through Christ Jesus our Lord. Well, Leviticus then is the worship and service manual of the Old Testament. You'll see words like holiness. It is a key word in this book found some 87 times, 87 times. You look at other words like blood found almost 90 times. You look at the word atonement, made one, made one again, reconciled, found some 45 times. You can even look at the expression, I am the Lord your God. That's what God says some 20 or more times in this book. 20 of the 27 chapters of Leviticus, 20 of the 27 chapters of the book of Leviticus contain this expression, The word of the Lord came to Moses. The Lord spoke to Moses. And so when you look at Leviticus, there is an emphasis on matters like holiness, atonement, sacrifice, Cleansing. As a matter of fact, words for sin and unclean occur approximately 200 times in the book of Leviticus. So the worship and service manual tells about being holy and living clean and pure lives before God. Very important. Remember, for us in the New Testament, under the New Testament system, God's law today. Receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us have grace, whereby we may offer service that's well-pleasing to God with reverence and with godly fear. Hebrews 12 and verse 28. The book of Leviticus should be read and studied. Even though many things are somewhat peculiar or foreign to us in our day and time, it should be read and studied Understanding that the book of Hebrews is the New Testament counterpart. That what we have in Jesus is a far better way of worship and service and access to God Almighty. How true that is. Now when we look at the book of Leviticus, Leviticus divides itself for us in this way, in this manner. The first seven chapters deal with the sacrifices. The sacrifices. So if you want to know what Leviticus is about in its early chapters, sacrifices. Various types. More about that in a moment. Then when you look at Leviticus chapters 8, 9, and 10, if 1 through 7 deal with sacrifice, chapters 8, 9, and 10 deal with the priesthood. And it deals with how men should conduct themselves who would serve as priests of the Most High God. Remember, in the Old Testament, they had a priesthood under the Levitical arrangement. But in the New Testament, Christians are a priesthood. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 5 through 9. And then we get to Leviticus chapters 11 through 22. 11 through 22. And what Leviticus 11 through 22 do in a marvelous way is tell us about purity and cleanness. Purity and cleanliness. And so you have things that are clean and unclean mentioned. Things that are to be done to be pure if one has become unclean. Chapters 11 through 22 in the book of Leviticus really have a lot of information that's quite helpful understanding God's will for that time. And then you look at chapters 23 to the end of the book of Leviticus. Chapter 23 to the end of the book. And they deal with holidays, vows, and giving to God. The holidays of the Jewish system, times like Passover or Pentecost or Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. Various ideas and concepts are brought forth in chapter 23 and on to the end of the book of Leviticus when we look at this concerning these matters. The holidays vows, giving our promises and word to God, and then the idea of giving. Let's take a few moments and look at just some of the key passages in the book of Leviticus, and then we'll spend a little bit of time examining the book of Numbers because the two go together so marvelously, so beautifully. In Leviticus chapters 1 through 7, we have the five basic offerings. There is The burnt offering, the grain offering, the peace offering, the sin offering, and the guilt offering. Those are important to keep in mind. Because if we see the Old Testament as pointing to Jesus and by way of promise, by way of prophecy, by way of type where there are pictures given of something that would come along that's far greater and far better in the great scheme, the great plan of God, these sacrifices indicate that what Jesus did, He did voluntarily. He gave Himself wholly. He gave Himself innocently. He gave Himself for us and for our sin. 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 18 is a great verse to keep in mind concerning the sacrifice of Jesus that the just died for the unjust that He might bring us to God. 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 21, He who knew no sin became sin for us, that we through Him might become righteous to God. Oh, what a powerful thing the sacrifice of Jesus is. The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John 1 and verse 29 Now when we look at the book of Leviticus, Leviticus 10 verses 1 through 11 is also very pertinent and a good passage to keep in mind. Two priests by the name of Nadab and Abihu offered strange fire to God in that passage. In other words, they offered what was unauthorized, what was inappropriate, what God had not wanted. And God struck them dead. The severity of God's action there lets us know how important it really is to worship God properly. God is to be approached in worship as He has dictated through His Word. Jesus put it this way in John 4 and verse 24. God is spirit and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. There must be the proper action of worship and appropriate service. There must be the proper aim. God, God, they that worship Him As you look at this, there's an absolute. We must worship God in spirit and in truth. Hear the words of Jesus. It's not something that's simply optional. Evidently, that never occurred to these men in Leviticus chapter 10 verses 1 through 11. The absolute is that we must worship Him according to divine authority, the truth, and according to the proper spirit or attitude in spirit. Oh, today of so many it can be said, in vain do they worship God. Teaching for doctrine the commandments of men. Matthew 15 verses 8 and 9. So when we think about worship, it is something that we don't want to be wrong on because God in the Old Testament has written an entire book on the theme and He says much about it in the New Testament. How we need to respect how we approach God in worship and in service. But as we continue, look at Leviticus chapter 19 and verse 18. In this passage, Jesus talks about loving our neighbor as ourself. Rather, the Word of God speaks of loving neighbor as ourself. And Jesus Himself elaborated on this verse because as the years went by, the real discussion concerned who is my neighbor... And Jesus indicates in the story of the Good Samaritan that anyone is our neighbor. There's someone to love and to do good to. To some people, a neighbor is just a problem to discuss. To others, neighbors are victims to exploit, to take advantage of. To some people, they're just nuisances to avoid. To some people, a neighbor may be a customer to serve. But to the Good Samaritan in the story of Jesus, someone in need, a neighbor, is someone to love and someone to help. That's the message of Leviticus 19. And it's the message of Jesus' story of the Good Samaritan in Luke 10:25 25-37. Leviticus chapter 16 deals with the Day of Atonement. It was the holiest day, the holiest holiday within Judaism. And on that day the high priest would go into the most holy place of the tabernacle on several occasions and sacrifice would be offered to atone, to deal with man's sin. When we stop and think about the book of Hebrews, Jesus is the high priest who offers the sacrifice of Himself to make one, to make peace between God and sinful man. A holy God who is appalled by the sinfulness of man. Holiness is the concept to keep in mind in the book of Leviticus. Leviticus 11:44 and 45, Leviticus 19 and verse 2, Leviticus chapter 20 verses 7 and 8. Oh, when we look at this book, there's indeed a great deal to be learned. But let's take a few moments and consider the book of Numbers. Numbers is not simply a book about mathematics. Numbers derives its name from the censuses that are taken. The two censuses that are taken. One in chapter 1 and the other in chapter 26. Numbers and Leviticus go together. Leviticus and Numbers really do go together in a profound way. For example, Leviticus deals with the worship of God's people in the Old Testament. Numbers deals with the walk of God's people. When you look at the book of Leviticus, it deals with the purity of God's people. God has always been concerned about purity and holiness. God is a purer eyes than to look upon sin, Habakkuk 1 and verse 13. As Christians today, we're to be holy even as He who called us is holy. First Peter 1 Peter 1:15 and 16. We are to be people who perfect holiness in the sight of God. 2 Corinthians 7 and verse 1. And yes, friend, when we think about holiness and purity, we should desire to be living in purity at the time that Jesus Christ returns. 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 11 through 14. Well, we look here at the book of Numbers, and it is a logical follow-up to Leviticus because if Leviticus deals with pilgrimage, if Leviticus rather deals with purity, the book of Numbers deals with pilgrimage. Worship, walk, purity, pilgrimage. The two go together. And what happens is this sometimes one's worship and service really don't go along with their walk and their pilgrimage. And that is exactly what the message of Numbers is all about. It's a real study in human nature. To read the book of Numbers is to read about human nature so very often. A key verse would be Numbers chapter 14, verses 22 and 23. Numbers 14, 22, and 23. Notice what the Lord says. The Lord says, the people have seen my glory. The people have seen my miracles in bringing them out of Egypt even to this very point in time. And it says, they have tempted me. God says, they have tempted me these ten times over and over Israel, Abraham's descendants, were guilty of tempting God, of provoking Him, and of not hearkening to His voice. Catch that in Numbers 14, 22 and 23. This was a repeated type of thing. Not isolated, not just what one might think of as being a human frailty, a slip, but repeatedly having seen God in all of His glory and greatness as He helped them with His miracles. They tempted Him, they provoked Him, they did not hearken to His voice. And therefore the Lord says, They shall not enter the land." That's what happens in the book of Numbers. You see, the book of Numbers is really a funeral march of sorts. That's what the book is about. How one generation, the generation that initially came out of Egypt would die and yet a new generation would come along and God would renew the covenant with them and they with Him that they would be faithful. So the key word of the book of Numbers is really the word wandering. Wandering. Hebrews 3 and verse 19 offers this excellent commentary. We see that they were not able to enter in because of unbelief. At one point they believed in the Lord, Exodus 14 and verse 31. But now as time goes on and they're about to enter the promised land, There are enemies that loom large and difficulties and obstacles that seem so daunting and overwhelming. How they needed to remember that there is a God in heaven, Daniel 2 and verse 28, and that greater is the one who is with them than the ones who are out in the world, all the enemies of God, Satan included, 1 John chapter 4 and verse 4. As we continue this study looking at numbers, let me give you an outline. Leviticus was really a book that dealt with about a one-month period of time. The book of Numbers deals with about a 40-year period of time. Here's an outline consisting of three phases. First of all, phase one. The people leave the mountain And they go to the border of the promised land. That's going to be Numbers chapters 1 through 12. They leave Mount Sinai in that area and they go to the border of the promised land. Phase 2. Look at Numbers chapter 13 and 14. The people of God refuse to enter the land. They disobey. Spies have been sent into the land and the spies come back with a report that overall is very unfavorable. We are but grasshoppers in their sight. They are so much greater, so much mightier than we. And then we look at chapter 15 to the end of the book, chapter 36. There is tragedy, a transition, and a new generation. An old generation lacking faith dies out. And a new generation would come along that would need to be instructed in God and the ways of God. Only two of the spies, Joshua and Caleb, their names are well worth remembering, came back and said, let's take this land. God has been with us. He's promised it to us and He will help us in His power and might to take the land. But the others said no. The problem is simply too great. Our foe, our enemy, is too powerful. And that led to many people believing that report and many people dying. Stop and think about it for a moment. That generation would be known for its faithlessness, for its lack of faith. They had witnessed so much about God and His greatness as He brought them out of the land of Egypt to the very door of the promised land, Canaan. And yet they said it simply cannot be done. When God says, do something, how we need to respond. In John chapter 2, verses 4 and 5, Mary, the mother of Jesus, would say, Whatever he says to you, do it. That is a great principle to follow at all times. Whatever God would have us do, to do it. Whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. 1 Corinthians 10 31. If only the children of Israel would have obeyed God. Then they would have seen His greatness and His goodness even more. How blessed they would have been. Let's go to the book of Numbers and look at some key passages. Let's consider Numbers chapter 6 verses 24 through 26. Numbers 6 verses 24 through 26. There's an emphasis on the Lord and this is a blessing pronounced on God's people by the high priest. The Lord, the Lord, the Lord. In Hebrew, it is the word Yahweh. This ever-existing one who longs to have a relationship with people. How we need to think about the very purpose of this entire study, Spotlight on the Word. The Bible is a book from God and about Him and the desire He has to have a relationship with all. God would have all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. 1 Timothy 2 and verse 4. The Lord is not slack... Concerning his promise, as some count slackness, he's long-suffering to us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Second Peter 3 and verse 9, the Lord, the Lord, the Lord, in Numbers 6, 24 through 26, perhaps an indication of the Trinity, the Godhead, Father, Son, and Spirit. The Lord bless you, the Lord keep you. The Lord make His face to shine upon you. The Lord be gracious to you. The Lord lift His countenance upon you and give you peace. These are all blessings that Christians will come to fully realize because Jesus came and went to the cross. These are all things that can be enjoyed by the people of God. They anticipated it then. We can truly enjoy these blessings to the fullest now. How blessed we can be to be in Christ. 2 Timothy 2 and verse 10, where salvation is. To be in Christ, Romans 8 and verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ to be a new creation in Christ. 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 17. Well, let's look at Numbers chapter 12 and verse 3. Numbers chapter 12 and verse 3 indicates that Moses was a man of great meekness. Indeed, he was the meekest man, the passage says, on the face of the earth. When one seeks to please God, when one walks with the Lord, when one is the servant of the Lord, like Moses, he's meek. His passions, his strength have been brought under control, under control to God. And how there's a need for people today to bring every thought captive to Jesus. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 verses 4 through 6. Moses was meek and Jesus himself said, I, Jesus, he said, I'm meek and lowly in heart. Come to me. You'll find rest to your souls. Matthew chapter 11, 28 and following. As we continue through this book, the book of Numbers, we can look at the 20th chapter of the book of Numbers. In Numbers chapter 20, Moses, this man of great meekness, sins by striking a rock when God had told him to speak to it. As a result, God says, Moses, you're not going to be able to go into the promised land. Oh, God is still good to Moses and God still blesses him. But sin kept Moses out of a land that he had been journeying toward for 40 years. A mission of some 40 years, he would not be able to enjoy it to the fullest because of sin. That tells us something about how devastating and how damnable and how awful sin is. And while Moses certainly did not lose his soul, He was not able to enjoy the reward of entering the promised land. And I know that was something that he was longing for. In Numbers chapter 21, there are poisonous serpents that have been sent by God because of the unbelief of His people. A brass serpent is constructed. And in Numbers chapter 21, the admonition is given, God's will is stated, that those who look on this brass serpent can be healed of these poisonous snake bites. What if someone had simply said, Well, I believe that God can heal me and He doesn't need to use this particular means. I don't need to look at the brass serpent. Would he have been healed or she of those snake bites that could well have taken their life? Of course not. In John chapter 3 and especially verses 14 and following, Jesus indicates that people must look to Him in order to be saved. You can't simply say, God can save me. I don't have to follow Jesus. I don't have to look to Him. I don't have to obey His will. That simply cannot be said if one would honor God. Jesus would say in John 12 that I, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men to me. Jesus will either attract you to God and to His greatness and to the wonderful salvation that He gives or you will be repelled, repulsed by Him. I hope and I trust that you'll trust in Him, that you'll believe and obey Him. As you keep looking at the book of Numbers... It would be good to close with Numbers chapter 32 and verse 23. Be sure your sin will find you out. Yes, all have sinned. Romans 3 and verse 10. Romans 3 and verse 23. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The wages of sin's death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. Romans 6 and verse 23. Leviticus and Numbers come together to make us think about how important it is to be faithful to God, to worship Him acceptably, to live holy lives, to desire to be pure and clean, and to bring every thought captive to Jesus Christ.